We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everybody. Welcome to an edition of DietaryCast on Rotobase Radio. Talk about the BlueWire and our friends over at BetterHelp. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Give online therapy a try at betterhelp.com slash rotoviz and get on your way to being your best. All right, Dan, we have week seven. Week seven is in the books. Um, you haven't heard our voices. If you're if we're on the rotoviz airwaves right now, you haven't heard our voices in a while. I had a baby, and then we've had some technical difficulties with our lovely editor, Justin. Um, but hopefully we're going to move forward and be good now. So you're hearing this week seven recap week eight preview podcast of dice trade cast. And we're going to get some in season podcasts going. So Dan, I know, I know we've talked several times in the last month, but uh, how are you since we haven't talked since September 14th? Yeah. Uh, been, been good, been busy uh, as you know, fall comes through work, work tends to slow a touch, but uh, still, still busy with the kids, and yeah, it's it's been well. It definitely has been a couple of weeks because last year, last week I recorded a solo pod, then it was us, then a solo pod, then it was us, and then before that, who knows? I mean, that's like almost a different year at this point. And if you want any of those podcasts, if you send me or Dan five hundred dollars, we will release, <laughs> we will release the tapes. Um, Just to otherwise, you, to you only. <laughs> but otherwise, we will not be releasing. Very outdated podcast with outdated takes. We're going to get you only the most updated takes and only the most updated news for your NFL and Dynasty season. So are you ready to go, Dan? I am. Week 7 Dynasty Recap Pod. Who's who's excited? I'm excited. Nathan, are you excited? Be- BetterHelp's excited. They, they called me this morning and said, I want Week 7 and I want it now. BetterHelp is excited and they are going to help us through this episode as well. So, we're going to jump in like we normally do. We go through each and every division. We'll read the headlines, our created headlines, not actual headlines. We'll pick a team. We'll chat about them. We'll move to the next division. Otherwise, uh, because the one week I, I tried to do every single team and it took nine years. So we'll start, as always, with our lovely AFC East. Buffalo Bills, Dalton Kincaid finally featured. That's a very good sign. And I think we can officially say James Cook is undervalued. Miami Dolphins to a pedestrian this week, and the offense is definitely less interesting without Devon A. Chain. Jets on a bye week, so we won't be hearing about them. And the New England Patriots, uh, well, if the podcast was published, Bill would have heard me talk about them tanking, and then all of a sudden the offense comes alive. But is anyone worth having? 
We're going to stay here and talk about everyone's favorite offensive juggernaut, the New England Patriots. Nathan, I know how much you love each and every one of these guys on this football team. So we can start from the top with Mac Jones. Is there value in Mac Jones aside from, you know, a bye week starter or just a security third QB on a dynasty team? There was more value last week and obviously before like a, a big win against the Bills, you know, quote unquote big win for for Mac Jones against the Bills. I think that the bigger takeaway from the Patriots season so far is that Bailey Zappi, Matt Coral, Malik Cunningham, I know they, they had they brought in another backup trendy name as well. All those guys must be absolutely awful. Like just <laughs> terrible. Like for none of those guys to get any playing time outside of like, you know, garbage time, you know, blowout situations over the Mac Jones that played in week four, five, and six. It just means that there is no backup plan with the Patriots. It's just Mac Jones is the only plan until they have a draft pick high enough to to select a replacement. I was once a Bailey Zappi believer ish. Um, I'm I I do I did pick up Malik Cunningham a little bit when he got added to the active roster, um, but him not really getting any run and not even being active this past week is not a good sign for you know the minimal dynasty value that he did have when he you know got added to the active roster. So yeah, I think the bigger the biggest takeaway from from the Mac Jones situation isn't how good Mac Jones is. It's that how bad the backup plan behind him is, because there is no backup plan. Yeah, I, I mean I would go out on a limb and say that the starting quarterback for the twenty twenty four New England Patriots probably isn't on the roster. One of these guys will probably be the backup, but I mean they are two and five currently. We see this big win, but realistically, they're going to be picking in a position to probably get one of those four or five quarterbacks that everyone has been drilling over. And whether or not that's a good thing, it it's pretty much going to mean this is more than likely the end of the road for Mac Jones. So, But he, he I mean, because of like the draft capital, like he will be, and also just the fact that like, he's very like a vanilla, like no, yeah. no like frills guy. Like he can very much have, and there's no dynasty value in this, but he can very much have like a Brian Hoyer type career where he's just going to be a backup on random teams. Basically, he's going to find his weight on every single Belichick tree coach and just be the backup there forever. Um, so, yeah, I mean that which honestly, the Brian Hoyer thing does have like a smidge like roster value in Superflex. Mm-hmm. So like, d- don't go dropping. I don't yeah, know don't who he is, but don't, don't go dropping any Mac Jones shares in January or February because he's going to still be on rosters. But. Yeah, there's just not much going on in this offense. They definitely, you know, you never thought that Jacoby Myers was an NFL difference maker. They severely miss Jacoby Myers. Well, I mean, Kendrick Bourne has been okay. He's he's actually had pretty darn consistent stats throughout the season. So, I mean, uh, another week of six for 63 and a touchdown, that's kind of been the line for Kendrick Bourne for most of the season, honestly. I mean, last last week was 11 11 targets, 10 catches, 89 yards. Uh, he had a couple of, of tough weeks, but week one, he started out okay with a four for 46, which I know isn't great. But when you're talking about this offense with Mac Jones, uh, especially looking at the last couple of weeks here, racking up 16 catches for, you know, 150-ish yards, that's, you know, not, the ADOT's not, probably not super high, but we're he's he's doing enough but I agree I mean Jacoby Myers we've seen what he's doing with the Raiders and it definitely is is going to be sorely missed I wouldn't be surprised 
to see the Patriots try to make a move for somebody's wide receivers, and and we might be talking about it later, but Denver's receivers uh, specifically seem like they could be an option. More specifically, Jerry Judy, because we love, we all love the Belichick Saban link uh, from Alabama to to New England. So I would imagine Jerry Judy's probably pretty high on their radar, even though the season may be lost. That could be a guy that I could see them bringing in and paying. For sure. All right. Let's stay in the East, but move to the NFC. The Washington Commanders, this offensive line is going to kill this team. And I do have one question, Nathan. Who the hell is Chris Rodriguez? Three wide receivers supported? Question mark. Dallas Cowboys on a bye week, so we won't hear from them. Philadelphia Eagles, if the tush push gets banned, Nathan, does that lower Jalen Hurts' floor? Probably <laughs> no. not. The New York Giants. And, 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 hold on. And, and point per first down leagues. <laughs> there you go. The New York Giants. Terod is an upgrade over Daniel Jones. I'm not even going to be shy to say it. Jalen Hyatt coming alive, back-to-back weeks. We've seen him, and Saquon is going to be just fine, so everybody calm down. We're going back to the top. We're going to talk about the Washington Commanders, how atrocious the offensive line is. That's going to be probably the most we'll speak about the offensive line because this is a dynasty football podcast and has nothing to do with offensive lines. And we're going to skip Chris Rodriguez. I just wanted him there. Nathan, we got to talk about the wide receiver room. These guys keep producing, whether or not Sam Howell has a big game or not, they're all eating. Are hold on? Are they all eating, or is yes. ja, or is Jahan Dotson a disappearing act? I, I, it's been they've been three running three deep for like a month now. I know that there was a, a Dotson zero in there somewhere, but Curtis Samuel is very much alive, which it was previously thought that he wouldn't be. You go this week, Terry McLaurin, nine targets, Dotson eight targets, Samuel eight targets, Logan Thomas six targets. If that's gonna be what's going to be happening from here on in, we might see Sam Howell propping up three wide receivers. They're not going to be, you know, world beaters by any means because you can't really do a lot, especially the way that offense moves. But that's going to be a good enough baseline to be starting all of these guys. I, I, would, I would pump the brakes a little bit on 2023 Dotson because he hasn't eclipsed 50 receiving yards once and his season high for catches is five. So, I mean, if you want like a wide receiver five or six, maybe Dotson is the guy. But he is not producing what, you know, you would be expecting from 2022 first-round pick. Guy who was probably taken in, you know, seventh, eighth round of redraft. Um, I think Samuel is obviously overperforming expectations. I think that McLaurin is probably doing about what we expected, maybe a smidge low on the ceiling. And I think Dotson is disappointing. Yes, I think that all of them are legitimate, like, like NFL receivers. All of them can produce. I'm just questioning is Jahan Dotson is going going to be able to produce, you know, wide receiver two, wide receiver three numbers with how bad this offensive line is setting record numbers with, with sacks of Sam Howell. And then the next question is, I know a lot of NFL and a lot of fantasy Twitter is on the side of uh, sacks or a quarterback stat. That's a lot of people who hate Justin Fields or like sacks or, uh, or a quarterback stat. How much of these sacks are we blaming on Sam Howell? And if we are, does that mean that, you know, Sam Howell isn't the answer that meant that, you know, some of us were hoping for? I, I would like for everyone to go ask David Carr how he feels about sack numbers and whether they're quarterback or offensive line, because he very much does not believe that it is a quarterback stat. Um, I mean, I would say these are probably half and half. You you see that young NFL quarterback in Sam Howell. You see him drop back, hold on to the ball for too long, take a bad sack. However, 
the rest of the plays when he's just straight up not holding it too long or or maybe unwilling to throw it away to try to extend those plays to make make something happen when he could just you know take take it down and and move on this offensive line is you could find high school lines that could hang in better than some some of these games these guys are playing that's a little bit you know over the top but it, it just feels like defenses have free runs at Sam Howell all game, every game. Yet another one, he gets sacked six times. I, I don't know how you can be that appalling at at one one position. What the one one group offensive line in Washington is the worst we've seen since David Carr and the Houston Texans. It's still the the, the bigger problem with Sam Howell dynasty perspective is he does still have the fifth fifth round draft capital. And he does like he needs to like play well enough to exceed that, and also and also he probably needs to play well enough to play the, the Commanders out of that draft position. I'm not sure he's going to do that, but there's a lot of bad teams in the NFL this year, and Commanders aren't like close to the bottom quite yet. Uh, so it's interesting to see how it plays out. More so than ever, I'm less confident about the long-term outlook of, of Sam Howell because I do think that quarter sacks are a quarterback stat to an extent especially when he has the weapons around him with Curtis Samuel and Jahan Dotson and Terry McLaurin. I'd be cautiously selling Sam Howell right now if I could. Yeah, I mean, the the fear is there that he gets the David Carr treatment where he just gets beat to hell for a few years and that's it. So, yeah, I mean, I'm still, you made me a believer and now I feel like I have more faith in Sam Howell than you do. He is he is a good quarterback. You can see that it's there, but the, he needs time to throw. Every quarterback needs some time to throw. He hasn't quite figured out how to make that space for himself yet, but a lot of the time, he can't. There's nowhere for him to run, nowhere for him to go. So, all right, NFC East is wrapped. We'll move. We'll head north. Uh, start in the AFC. Cincinnati on a bye week, so they are out of the conversation. The Cleveland Browns. Is it officially? Dead Sean Watson? Is he a goner? Have we lost him? Jerome Ford or Kareem Hunt? Who do we who do we pick there? And are we still buying Elijah Moore? I certainly am. The Baltimore Ravens. Are we undervaluing Lamar Jackson? Or are these big games just too scarce? Zay Flowers, Mark Andrews, and List. That's it. That's all there is. The Pittsburgh Steelers. Kenny Pickett isn't good, but George Pickens is. I'm buying. Does Deontay Johnson have wide receiver to value here, or do we think this is going to be a problem with the quarterback position? We are staying here in Pittsburgh, Nathan, and we get Deontay Johnson back. It it looks like it's going to be a more functional offense with that threat of Deontay Johnson alongside George Pickens. It seems to be working better, but Washington Commanders, or I'm sorry, the Washington Commanders. They played the L.A. Rams, and the Rams have been a good but not great team all year, a little bit hit and miss. Is this a squad that you think can stick together? I know we've talked a bunch about Kenny Pickett, and this he's probably not long for the NFL because he is quite bad. However, this offense looked a little bit functional. I, I'm still skeptical long-term of Kenny Pickett. The outlook we had before the season was he has the weapons around him, and George Pickens has been much better than much more be, much more better much better, much more and, better and more consistent than you know I think many of us expected at the, at the wide receiver position and then Deontay Johnson coming back not, I'm not expecting you know much in the first week back but he's still Deontay Johnson is still a top 
you know, 30-ish NFL wide receiver. And so once he's back in the groove, you know, he's going to be back to that high-volume guy. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the, the story of the Steelers offense is George Pickens. He's got two 20-plus point games. He's got uh, three 10-plus point games out of, out of five. I, I'm starting to believe more and more in the talent of George Pickens, and he's, I think he's the story there. Yeah, Pickens was, I, I think, one that I never really wavered on. I, I had been buying a lot, and then kind of the the picket problem was was where I started to fall short a little bit and started to lose faith in Pickens, but obviously it wasn't a George Pickens problem. It was a Kenny Pickett problem. So uh, I don't know that I've ever really wavered off of the train. I maybe, I maybe slowed a tad in the middle there, but I've fully been on board, especially as of late. He definitely looks like a real deal wide receiver one in the NFL. He definitely is going to be the wide receiver one on that offense. I know that they like Deontay Johnson, and I know he's going to get his. But George Pickens is your prototypical type wide receiver one in an NFL offense, and he's going to continue to do that. Uh, He's currently scoring in that mid-wide receiver two range. His points per game are, are, you know, I think probably a reflection of that. I think he averages something like 15 points. But, yeah, I mean, he's been very good uh, despite having one of, if not the worst, starting quarterback in the NFL. That's not worst. He's he's down there. Oh, he's bottom five for sure. Yeah, I mean, sky's the limit for me for George Pickens. I think he continued to move his way up. I'm not sure that we'll get him into that wide receiver one category until he gets an actual quarterback. I mean, he's well on his way, at least in my opinion. No, for sure. And it's one of those things that as if his quarterback play does improve, whether it's through Pickett getting better or through another quarterback coming into the helm over the next couple of years, like that's only going to be, you know, good for George Pickens. And obviously he's, he's not a first round pick. So he's on a, you know, a four year deal. So he's got two, two years left on it. He's showing what he can do with poor or mediocre quarterback play. What can he do if that play gets elevated at all? Yeah. we'll we'll find out hopefully. All right. We'll stay in the North. We'll head to the NFC, the Chicago bears is fields versus Badgett a real quarterback battle. Deonta Foreman returns to glory, and it's DJ Moore death for the pass catchers. The Detroit Lions, the weapons are elite. I still think that makes Jared Goff a sneaky buy. Jamison Williams, and I quote, six catches or six targets, zero catches. Yikes. Backers, AJ Dillon or Aaron Jones. It's possible we want neither. Jordan Love stinks, but do the weapons stink? The Minnesota Vikings. Zero interest in this running game. I said it from the beginning. Alexander Madison is bad. They am add a bad running back in Cam Akers. No bueno. Jordan Addison might join Justin Jefferson as a wide receiver one in Dynasty very, very soon. I'd love to stay here and talk about Jordan Addison, but we're going to go back to the top to Chicago. The quarterback battle. I mean, I was I'm still not really impressed by Badgins, but is this going to become a battle, Nathan? Probably not. Uh, I mean, the, you know, you got to go back to the draft capital to an extent. And also, it's not like Tyson Badgett has been good. Like, he no. just ha- he, ha- he hasn't lost the game for the but. Bears. <laughs> and by that, he hasn't lost the one game he played against one of the worst teams in the NFL that has somehow won three games, the Las Vegas <laughs> Raiders. And it was a home game, so, like... You know, if if we want to say that uh, Justin Fields' adversity level has been like an eight or a nine in his career on a level on a scale of one to ten, Tyson Badgett's adversity level has been negative four. So you know, if he plays a little bit better, like I I think that they're you know for better or worse, they're going to give Tyson Badgett another week, give Justin Fields another week to rest that thumb. 
you're pretty much just waiting for Tyson Badgett to be turned back into a pumpkin um, sort of thing uh, as the Halloween season approaches. With that being said, he still is a young quarterback who is currently starting for an NFL team. So if he's on your waiver wire, I'm spending all my waiver wire bucks on him, not going out to buy him per se. And I'm certainly if, if you can get a second round pick in any Superflex league, go ahead and do it. Certainly worth having on your Superflex roster as of now. Is there any possibility he is? I mean, he's Brock Purdy 2.0. I, I mean, he he plays similarly. He doesn't take bad sacks. He he hasn't really turned the ball over. Uh, and it's kind of opposite Justin Fields. You you litigate all of the reward, all of the risk, by also capping the the reward at the end of the day, the potential upside by taking someone that maybe can just game manage for you. We know Justin Fields is a freak. We know he can do it all. The problem is the decision-making at times, Chicago's play calling at other times. Maybe it's better for something like a game manager in Tyson Badgett. Maybe Justin Fields moves on. I, I don't know. I think one way or another, Chicago is bringing in a different quarterback in 2024, but maybe he's already on the roster. He's not, though. So, okay. so if you could take a second round pick for him, which I don't think you can, in that end, if you have Tyson Badgett on a rebuild, are you taking a third? Uh, I still think I want a second. Okay. Just because of the potential. Yeah. And it's worth holding on to until the turns back into a pumpkin, like I said. I think that it would take a big performance. Let's see. Who do they play next week? It would take a big performance on the road, on the quote unquote road against the Chargers. Not really such thing as a road game against Chargers. Uh, but <laughs> on the road against the Chargers, if he A, wins and B, puts up for like, you know, another 21 for 29 type performance for you know, hopefully a little over 162 yards. If you can put together that passing performance against the Chargers, who's a little bit better than the Raiders on the road, then maybe, you know, you're worrying a little bit about the short-term possibilities of Justin Fields. And then the other scenario, like I, I don't think that Justin Fields is getting traded this week or next week, but the next question would be if you get into like Fields being out week 10, week 11, and the Bears still being bad, or the Panthers still being bad. Are the Bears looking at, like, which this is a very, like, kind of galaxy brain thought, but are the Bears looking at it in week 10, week 11, like, let's just keep Fields healthy so that he's trade bait in, in February? I think so. I think is I can't imagine that they're going to move him pre-deadline. Uh, I think I, I think earliest you'll see him move is once they decide, A, when they know when their picks are, or no, they don't have picks because they traded for DJ Moore, right? No, no, they traded back and and that's like oh, yeah, that's right. I'm sorry. Okay, um, so once they know when their picks are and they know who they have access to, I think once they decide which quarterback they do want, that's when we see Justin Fields get moved. So it could be as early as February. It could be as late as draft night. But I don't think Justin Fields survives draft night. Yeah, the only way he, the only way he does survive draft night is if both the Panthers and Bears pick are after Caleb Williams and Drake Mayer off the board. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, I guess that's possible if if it's I not, imagine. it's not. The Panthers are awful. Well, yes. So <laughs> one of those picks will be with with probably in the top two, 
but never say never. Right? Crazier things have happened. We could see we could see just random runs of terrible football from good teams allowing some of these bad ones to win games. It, it would be hilarious, though, if Tyson Badgett was the reason that the Bears played themselves out of draft position. Therefore, Tyson Badgett saves Justin Fields' job. <laughs> or earns himself the future starter job. Then the, they trade Fields for two firsts for somebody else. <laughs> and this the whole vicious circle starts all over. All right. Before we head south, Nathan, tell me about our friends over at BetterHelp. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Give online therapy a try at betterhelp.com slash rotoviz and get you, get on your way to being your best self. Thank you, BetterHelp. We appreciate you being here with us this week. And we will, in fact, head south here. We're going to go to the AFC South, the Indianapolis Colts. Gardner Minshew does have a little bit of redraft value with Anthony Richardson being out. Jonathan Taylor, Zach Moss split. Yuck. I don't like that. And... Josh Downs' uh, breakout party? I think he's undervalued, Nathan. The Jacksonville Jags, T-Law above average, but I don't think we can call him elite. We can call Travis Etienne, Elitienne. And Tank Bigsby is going to be a problem for him, apparently. He's not. Calvin Ridley still can't beat any quarterback ones in the league. Texans and Titans both on the buys, so we are very limited. We talked about the Indianapolis Colts last week or in the podcast that doesn't exist currently. So the Jacksonville Jags will be our topic. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, obviously one of the the you know most highly touted prospects in NFL history, has moments of greatness, but for the most part, he just seems like an average quarterback. Am I am I like just my are my expectations too high or or am I seeing something that you're not seeing? No, I mean pr- pretty much my byline on Trevor Lawrence this entire season slash you know throughout the off season has been that 
he's Kirk Cousins with like a shade more upside. Um, and that's pretty much where we're at with Trevor Lawrence is that he has the rushing upside that Kirk Cousins doesn't necessarily have. Um, and the other part of it is like Trevor Lawrence has some weapons. You know, we we have uh, Christian Kirk and Calvin Ridley and Zay Jones. But what made C- C- Kirk Cousins go from, oh, he's like a QB two in fantasy to a legitimate QB one option was Justin Jefferson. And the Jaguars have not found Trevor Lawrence is Justin Jefferson yet. And there's not a lot of Justin Jeffersons to go around. So he might be a Kirk Cousins type until he gets a legitimate, like top end wide receiver. If that ever is going to happen. He has just wide receiver twos, like you said. And, and I brought up the Calvin Ridley bit at the end of my spiel, because it was always him with Julio on the other side where he was dominating games. He was still getting targets without Julio, but his inability to actually beat, top corners in the league was evident. And that was the big reason I always faded Calvin Ridley as, as projected as to be a, a team's wide receiver one, because he comes into new Orleans here this week and plays against a top corner. Can't beat him. Looks bad, plays bad, gets a bunch of targets, does nothing with them. So I, I really think the only player I'm full buying here still is Travis Etienne. I, I think the sky is truly the limit for him uh, as far as the running back goes, obviously with Bijan Robinson in Atlanta and uh, being drafted as highly as he was, it's going to be tough to get off the throne, but I think Etienne can make a push for that top spot. I do want to run by some Trevor Lawrence value questions to you, Nathan, if you, if you want. Sure. Um, so I know he's not going to be in the Joe Burrow or Justin Herbert category anymore. I think he was to start the year, maybe incorrectly, probably incorrectly. I still have Lamar above him. Is that where you're at? Yeah, easily. Okay. So then we start here with a couple of young guys in Anthony Richardson. I have him above Trevor Lawrence. No, I, I have Lawrence above Richardson. Justin Fields. Lawrence easily. C.J. Stroud. Lawrence easily. I'm, I'm taking st- I, Str- I, Stroud there. I'm I'm still high enough on like I don't think that he's in that like that second tier like anymore if he ever was. Um, but I think that he is easily above the guys you're mentioning. Interesting. I just don't see him translating. Like the, like the, the, I, I do think that you know certainly what we saw early on from Richardson, he, Richardson could easily eclipse him. Richardson can be you know. With, the, with Mahomes soon from a fantasy perspective. But, you know, it's not great when, like, you know, the biggest concern with rushing quarterbacks is their health. And then what happens early on in Richardson's career is he misses the whole year to do the injury. All right, last one. Two attack of Iowa. I, I, would, I would need Tua. I also would take Tua. I, I think – I think I maybe have transitioned to being lower on Trevor than most just because I had higher hopes of this Doug Peterson offense for Trevor. And I know he hasn't been fully healthy, but you bring in Calvin Ridley. You still have Christian Kirk, who had a monster year last year. You still have Evan Ingram. You have a great running game. And it's just been bland. And it it hasn't been exciting from Trevor. Obviously, using his legs and that upside is, is, I think, what could push his value above those guys. But I think as if we just take away the the passing, I definitely am taking CJ if we're just considering passing. I know we, it's fantasy football. We have to consider the rushing, too. But CJ and Tua are clear above Trevor for me at this point. 
Uh, Lamar is way up there as well. But I do would still have Trevor over Anthony Richardson and Justin Fields. But, you know, we'll see with Fields when he gets back. I, I'm just I'm I think I'm playing Trevor Lawrence probably too cautiously and being more worried about how he looks now while not 100 percent healthy. And he hasn't really been 100 percent healthy since early. And I, I, I'm not seeing that pop that we saw at Clemson. Sure. I mean, that that pop was a very high, high, high uh, bar. Yeah, yeah, that's tough to beat. All right, we'll stay in the South. We'll head to the NFC. Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Is it possible, is it possible, Nathan, that Baker Mayfield could lose this job if he is out with injury? Rashad White probably only has any value as a pass catcher, and the wide receivers remain unchanged. Atlanta Falcons, I refuse to trust anything Arthur Smith trusts ever. Get me out of here. Yes, I know that they have fun weapons. My God, uh, we, I'm, not, I'm not allowing that man into my house. Carolina Panthers on a bye week. And the New Orleans Saints. <laughs> Nathan, we missed on Alvin Kamara. We, we, I know you're going to say, oh, but can't pass it. We missed. And it's okay because we suck at this. But Alvin Kamara is destroying. And I don't think this stops anytime soon. He looks so good right now. Between the tackles, whatever. But the fact that he's catching like 12 balls every single game. And looking fresh the whole time is absurd to me. And I think it's finally time that we actually may have to acknowledge Voldemort, the man who shall remain nameless, even though I just named him. And I think we both know who I'm talking about. We're staying in New Orleans because of how much you love all of these players. We're going to start with Alvin Kamara. It's undeniable. He has been unstoppable since returning, Nathan. Again, moderate to mediocre to average in between the tackles, but you get him in space, you throw him all these passes. He's just killing. With Alvin Kamara, volume is king. And if there's one takeaway from him being the RB three in points per game so far in the last four games, it's that, you know what I'm going to say? It's Kendra Miller time. You got to buy, 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 <laughs> no, buy, 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 no. buy. You, you have to buy Kendra Miller. Uh, because there's no chance that this is sustainable. Uh, 13 or 14 targets, three targets, eight targets, 14 targets. There's just no way. Like, yeah, there's I mean, no way. He's just doing it right now, but there's no way. Yeah. And so eventually <laughs> Kendra Miller will be more involved in the game, the, the passing game and the running game and all those sort of things. I, I will say if you're looking for a, a win now, running back to this spot, like the, the real question is even with this passing volume, how much does his price really increase? Like you can still get him for an early second, right? Yeah. Well, that's the thing, but it, people are going to continue to discount him because, Oh, he's a second, he's a second contract quarterback coming off missed time, whatever. There's still, is, is there looming anything for him in the future? I don't know. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I, I think, I think he's quite literally free points, free victories. We're here to play for championships Nathan has all the sexy rosters in the universe, but only one of them wins anything. So go get yourself some Alvin Kamara and and do it cheaply. Uh, don't buy Kendra Miller because he stinks. All right. I said we have to acknowledge Voldemort. My Voldemort, Taysom Hill. Yeah, it's a tight end, but he scores so many freaking points, and he's always involved in this dumb offense. Do we have to finally welcome him into our circle, Nathan? But the thing is, is that his floor is st- is still zero, zero. Or, yeah. or close to it. Like, no, it is. And, and so he is very much like I, I drafted him on a few uh, underdog teams. Uh, shout out to underdog promo code Rodovis if it still works. 
Taysom Hill is good in basketball and only basketball. Like you can't put like outside of like a desperation tight end play, you can't be putting a guy who gets one catch, one catch, one catch, one catch as your as your tight end. Um, and yes, he's getting some rushing attempts. You have you know nine in week two, but other than that, pretty much four and three and four and three and five. The volume's just not there, and you're pretty much praying for a touchdown. So, um, yeah, no. I, I still don't think that Taysom Hill is startable outside of, like, the deepest of leagues or the most desperate tight end situations. Um, yeah, I'm not not impressed. Thank God. I was really fearing that I may have to actually acknowledge him. We're not acknowledging you, Taysom Hill. Step on a rusty nail. All right, let's head west. AFC, Denver Broncos. Javante with another decent outing. It's possibly he's still with us. Jerry, Judy, Cortland Sutton on the move. We'll see. L.A. Chargers, Austin Eckler is not Ecklering right now. And Josh Palmer, greater than Mike Williams. Don't at me, bro. QJ, Quentin Johnston, full dead. He gone. Kansas City Chiefs, buying all the Rishi Rice, per usual. Travis Kelsey is the GOAT. There is no denying it any longer. And I'm hard-selling Isaiah Pacheco. I've been selling, but now I'm full-selling. He's not good. Uh, the Las Vegas Raiders, it's Aiden O'Connell time, maybe. Should we be buying or selling Josh Jacobs? I would lean towards buying still. And I've got Jacoby Myers and Michael Mayer on my buy list, my Christmas wish list, man. Let's go to L.A. Let's talk about those Chargers. Austin Eckler, back now. This is his second week back. Still not looking like Austin Eckler. I know things take time. If you are a contender, Nathan, are you shipping him to a different contender in hopes of finding some kind of points? Because that's the type of running back you can't just open market sell. He, he doesn't have the value, but he has it to a contender that maybe isn't up with the news. The Dynasty Salamander has returned. Uh, what what do we do with Austin Eckler here? Do you just hold on and, and let the wheels fall off? No, I'm I'm not selling Austin Eckler. Um, he may be too busy podcasting with Matt Harmon, uh, but you you, <laughs> you you still like the volume is still going to be there. Like even in these down weeks, he's getting 14 carries and four uh, four receptions, 14 carries and one reception. Like the volume is there. It just the problem is that the Chargers' offense has been subpar or not up to snuff in these games, and so you you know I I, I have a little secret for you, Dan. You know how offenses get better. By playing the Bears. Um, so <laughs> uh, the Chargers play the Bears this week. Um, so if you want to sell Austin Eckler, maybe wait until he scores three touchdowns against the Bears this week. There you go. Sound advice from from uh, my lovely co-host here. All right. Uh, Josh Palmer, is he a long-term stay for the Chargers, do you think? Or is this kind of a Mike Williams is hurt, Quentin Johnston sucks, so Josh Palmer is the other option? Yeah, no, I mean, J- Josh Palmer is, like, the definition of, like, a roster cl- – like, he's an off-season roster clogger, an in-season wide receiver four asset type of thing, where, like, he's valuable to you for these four months, and then you can cut him in January because he doesn't matter for the next nine months. I, I'm i still a Quinton Johnston believer to an extent, or I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not saying he's dead in the water. So if he ever gets going, Josh Palmer will be back to dead in the water. Wipe that draft capital off your face before I wipe it off for you. Uh, Quinn Johnson is terrible. He's never going to be a thing. He doesn't know what he's doing. Very opposite of good. 
Um, and I would assume at this point we're probably seeing the last of Mike Williams. I don't know, but we'll we'll get there when we get there, I suppose. All right, let's head to the NFC to wrap up the show. Staying in the West, heading to the NFC. Arizona Cardinals. Kyler returns. Do we dare buy for pennies? He's not playing, but he's practicing. San Francisco 49er. Purdy's starting to turn the ball over a little bit, but his efficiency is still there. CMC is just fine. Everyone needs to calm down. And is George Kittle too volatile to have at the top of the tight end ranks? LA Rams. They're going running back by dead body, and it's kind of working. Puka is establishing his dominance. Are we fearful of Cup's future? Seattle Seahawks, J-S-N. And yes, he is living. All it took was a DK Metcalf injury. Sad face. Uh, Whatever a Bobo is, does that have any relevancy? We're going to stay here in Seattle, Nathan. We're going to talk about our boy, our favorite, Jackson Smith and Jigba. Finally, finally arriving for Seattle. It did take an injury. But is he going to be undeniable at this point? Yes, as long as the the Seahawks don't go back into turtling and rushing 40 times a game. Jackson Smith and Jacob is here. He's going to be a legitimate passing weapon in that offense. It's only going to get better because it's one the stupid thing about NFL teams. Like Jackson Smith and Jigba is not better in week seven than he was in week one. But they see him like, oh, he did really well when Metcalf's out. So now when Metcalf comes back in, they're like, oh, now we have three of the best wide receivers in the NFL on one team. So, you know, what? when you have three of the best wide receivers on the NFL on one team, maybe you should pass the ball a little more, which is saying something because Kenneth Walker. And I don't know if we're even talking about this today. Kenneth Walker has been one of the best running backs in the NFL fantasy wise and NFL wise. Like, you know, a lot of people, you know, criticize that pick because Seahawks spending another high draft capital pick. But he's been a very, very good NFL running back, especially in 2023. Zach Charbonnet obviously has been, uh, you know, uh, injured. Um, so he's definitely not been worth the second round pick. Um, but Walker has been very good. I'm still, I, I, I don't think that the dynasty sphere has adjusted for Walker being a top three running back yet. They're probably still being like, oh, maybe he has limited rushing upside or, oh, the Seahawks are, are you know, annoying for fantasy. But if you can get Kenneth Walker for like a mid first type price, I would, you know, slam accept that. Yeah, oh, definitely, without question. And I, I, I mean, he's got to be, he's got to be up there with the likes of the top. And and I know what we've seen from Brees Hall has been special, but I got to be honest. I think I'm taking Kenneth Walker over Brees Hall. I know that's probably a hottish take, but the consistency for Walker seems to be there. Whereas for Brees, it's been either boom or bust uh, throughout his career. And I, I will say that I think the floor. Uh, for Walker, maybe it has been established earlier than for Brees. I still think Brees is a higher ceiling, but I don't know that their ceilings are all that different uh, until we, you know, until Pete Carroll takes his head out of his own ass and, and we get there. But yeah, I mean, I think that the, and this probably doesn't matter anymore, but part of the Brees ceiling play over the last like five, six months was that what if the Jets offense is elite? Because I think that the Seahawks offense is very good, but there is a ceiling there. The ceiling oh, yeah. is you know, being, you know, a top like 10 to 12 offense. Theoretically, the Aaron Rodgers Jets offense had a ceiling of number one offense in the NFL. Oh, definitely. Yeah. At the the Rodgers injury changed, uh, which maybe it shouldn't have, but it definitely changed that outlook for me. Uh, having Zach Wilson back there is, is not going to be what that offense would have been with Aaron Rodgers, obviously. So 
Uh, yeah, I mean, Kenneth Walker, he's something like RB7 on the season. Uh, I mean, doing doing what he's doing. And I think I think that offense is quite literally a quarterback away from being the, probably one of, if not the best in the league. They have the weapons, Tyler Lockett staying healthy, DK Metcalf not, but he's still one of the most dominant wide receiver ones in the league as well. So you get this this group together. You still have Noah Fant there too, which I think a lot of people forget. He he hasn't really been doing a lot, uh, but still a valuable weapon for them. We just got to figure out the Geno Smith bit. Once they can get either rid of him or hone him in and get him to be more consistent, this offense could be all sorts of crazy. And whatever a Jake Bobo is, I mean, do we have any insight here, Nathan? Jake Bobo, four catches, 61 yards, and a touchdown. 25-year-old UCLA college, I think undrafted, I would imagine. Yeah, no, Jake Bobo, he is clearly, like, he is a a DK Metcalf handcuff. Like, Jackson Smith and Jigba has his own standalone value, regardless of whether Metcalf returns healthy or not. Bobo's only producing if, if Metcalf remains out. Okay. I mean, he's got a dirty mustache and a mullet, and he's from Boston. So, I mean, you never know. Bobo Bobo could rise to the top. No, he actually can't. Uh, all right. Anything else on the NFC West or the Seattle Seahawks here, Nathan, before we wrap? Uh, no. You mentioned uh, buying Kyler Murray for pennies. I don't think that he costs pennies. I think that he's probably much more much more expensive today than he was two weeks ago. Um, but. Pennies. <laughs> I bought him for a second last week. In Superflex? <laughs> In Superflex. You should be arrested. <laughs> that's that's ridiculous. The Dynasty right. Salamander has returned, bro. Um, yeah, no. Uh, if you can get Kyler Murray for three seconds, I would do that. Any um, first? This, you selling what? any for, are you buying Kyler yeah, Murray first? Yeah, I, I, I... Even if it's 101, any, 102 lock? No, not, not that. Okay. Uh, and, second, any, I don't know how you and, felt. And any playoff first I'm easily doing... Um, honestly, I would do any playoff first and maybe like a couple thirds, like, you know, that sort of range. Like once you get into like the 104, 105 range, then I'm like, okay. Cause like once you get to 104, 105 range, what can Kyler Murray do in the next two months to make him more valuable than the 104? And it's like, okay, you're comparing, you know, whoever the top end running back is, Braylon Allen type or Drake May or something like that. Like you're comparing that to Kyler Murray, which obviously Kyler Murray has the NFL success to show that he's worth more than that. But there is like, granted the Cardinals and Texans have, or not the Cardinals, the Texans have been winning enough games where that pick is not going to be Caleb Williams or, or Drake may, but the Cardinals, it won one game against the Cowboys and then they've been terrible ever since. So that pick could theoretically still end up being Drake may if they wanted it to. Um, But for me, if I were the Cardinals, I would much rather have Kyler and Marvin Harrison then I would Drake May and whatever you can get for Kyler. Sure. All right. We'll wrap with this. Kyler Murray or Brock Purdy? Kyler. Kyler Murray or Bryce Young? Bryce. Kyler Murray, Deshaun Watson? Kyler. Kyler Murray or Dak? If, I, if I'm in win now, I'll take Dak. If I'm rebuilding, I'll take Kyler. Okay, I, I think I think we're probably in the same ballpark with Kyler. I, I I feel like maybe I'm a touch low, but man, there's so much potential, and it just we haven't we haven't gotten it. Yep. 
All right, man, bring us home. That should wrap us up for this week. Make sure to spread the road of his RV radio 2023 gets a 10% discount and supports podcast that has been on inadvertent hiatus. Um, <laughs> and make sure to support better help with the, uh, whatever promo code we gave you earlier in the show with better help. Kadosh.